3: adoptuskids.org a public service announcement from the US Department of Health and Human Services adoptuskids and the ad council this
1: is you over 30 years ago
3: are we there yet be there yet
1: and this is your mom when you drive her back from therapy
0: are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet
1: roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. AARP gives you the information to help care for your mom so that you can have patience with her just like she did with you. Visit aarp.org caregiving or call 1-877-333-5885 to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one.
0: Are we there yet?
1: Remember, Visit aarp.org/caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
4: When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else so I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in.
3: I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match.
4: Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one
2: day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better.
0: You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autism speaks.org/signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
3: It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese followed naturally by an order of wings, and another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... Could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy what? on the Worldwide
4: Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, you are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and I am your host, Dan Mader, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network (WWSRN) for those of you on iOS looking for the app, and of course, presented by Belly Up Sports. We're back here today. We are going over the late week six matchup preview. so the four o'clock game, the Sunday night game, and the doubleheader that we have on Monday night football. Very exciting stuff, making up for the fact that we don't have a Thursday night football game to recap today because we had the doubleheader on Monday and because the Buffalo Bills were supposed to be the Thursday night game originally, and they played on Tuesday. So, of course, the NFL gave them a break. And it was very weird because for years, we were used to not having football on Thursday. In fact, I remember a time when the idea of Thursday Night Football being proposed was frowned upon by a lot of people, quite frankly, as the shortened week. What was that going to do for the competition of those games? What kind of matchups were you going to have on another primetime television game and well, especially when they started adopting the idea that they needed to have division matchups every single Thursday to try to make it interesting, except for it was always the two worst teams that felt like in those divisions playing on those Thursday night games. But now, all of a sudden, I felt empty. I felt like something was missing in my life last night with there being a Thursday night football game. It's a very, very weird experience. And now it's to the point where we have people clamoring for Tuesday night football because they just want more football throughout the week. And I could not agree more. I don't care about the competition level anymore. I don't care about the quality on the field. Just give me more football throughout the week. There should be Saturday night games, Sunday games, Monday games, Tuesday games, and Thursday games in the NFL, if you quite frankly ask me. So we'll see if this ever actually comes to anything. But for now, this is a normal week. This is a blast in the past where we just have Sunday and Monday games for this upcoming matchup. Yesterday, we talked about the early window of games, talked about those matchup previews, talked about the injury news on there. And we're going to recap real quick the injury news uh, from those yesterday matchups, then, and just kind of get you guys up to date before we dive into the regular content of today's show, which is the late window of games for week six make sure you're following us along at belly up md FF show on social media make sure you have those twitter notifications alerts up throughout the weekend because we're going to keep you up to date on exactly what's going on and once again i talked about this yesterday we legitimately might have to do this where we just start off every show with the today in covid news segments uh fortunately what looked like bad news last night turned into good news just maybe an hour or so before I came on to the show and we started recording now. And that is the Colts had several members test positive, but it's all looking like they are false positives now because they did the backup test. They were trying to look to confirm all came back negative. So as of right now, because you have them who was a false positive, you have the Atlanta Falcons who are back at practice today because everybody there tested negative. You have the Cleveland Browns, which some people were worried about because Of OBJ, he's fine. Well, he's not fine, but he's not sick because of COVID reasons. They all tested negative. It looks like we might be entering week six with no COVID-19 hiccups with no postponements with no different scheduled programming. It looks like we actually might have a normal schedule this week, at least as far as what was scheduled to be this week by Tuesday after they had to make all the adjustments from last week's games. So knock on wood, fingers crossed we're heading in the right direction for COVID-19 news. That is the good news so far. Now let's move on here. We can go talk about the player injury news. Now that we have that out of the way from yesterday's game. So first up we have AJ Brown. He didn't practice again on Thursday. However, no one seems to be really panicking. The tone around the building is that he is going to play this week. He's expected to come out and at least a limited participant in practice today. It's really not all that surprising. They just got him back. They need him back because Corey Davis is still not activated from the COVID reserve list. Adam Humphreys was, but still not Corey Davis. They need AJ Brown, especially what's going to be a tough uh, divisional matchup this week. So they're just trying to make sure that he's definitely 100% healthy and good to go. You saw what he was able to do on Tuesday coming off the injury with pretty much no practice out in the field. And he still had a heck of a game. So I am not worried about AJ Brown. He can start in your lineups and he should be playing on Sunday. We talked about OBJ a little bit, not at practice again today, not in the building again today because of the illness that's not COVID related. They're keeping him home as a precaution to make sure he doesn't get anybody else sick or compound that because everyone is so nervous about the covid issue uh, as well so obj though we're actually at this point we are going to have to keep our eye on him uh, as far as what his availability is going to be because he wasn't able to practice yesterday wasn't able to practice today we have to see if he remains sick and will they keep him away from the team as a result of that heading into sunday if he's feeling better at all and it's not covid related which is what they keep Continuing to say, I have to imagine that the Browns in this tough divisional matchup game this week are going to find a way to get OBJ back on the field. But he might not be 100% himself, and he's not coming in with a full week of practice like we expected him originally. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on OBJ throughout the weekend. AJ Green was expected to come back to practice yesterday, but did not. So we're not really expecting him to play at this point, dealing with the hamstring issue. The only reason that this is worth noting is just to see, does this mean that if AJ Green does not play, will it be extra targets in line for a T Higgins and a Tyler Boyd, of course. So we'll keep our eye on that as far as their fantasy value is related, but AJ Green is somebody who should not be in your lineups or even frankly, even be on your rosters at this point. Anyway, Julio Jones also did not practice yesterday. He's not trending in the right direction. Uh, we'll have to see exactly what happens today later on, but if Julio is able to practice in limited capacity today, he might play. However, at this point, we feel as though it's more of a likelihood that Julio Jones will take it, take it cautiously. They'll take it one more week and they'll have him come back maybe in week six and skip or week seven and skip out on week six. Quite possibly. It's looking like it's heading in that direction. Dalvin cook also did not practice yesterday That It really would make no sense for them to rush Dalvin Cook out there unless they are 100% sure that he is 100% healthy because they have the bye week next week. They don't need Dalvin Cook to beat the Atlanta Falcons this week. So we are anticipating that Alexander Madison will be the starting running back and that Dalvin Cook will be back in week eight after their bye in week seven. Melvin Gordon, this is a big story going on right now. Nobody knows exactly what they're going to do. He did come back to practice yesterday. The Broncos were very non-committal on the idea of whether or not he will play and start this Sunday. We still don't know that part yet. Uh, they did come out and say that they don't plan on punishing him any more than what the NFL decides to do. The NFL will not bring down whatever their punishment is going to be right away. This is something that will be appealed. This is something will go through an investigation. So we might not even, if he's going to get suspended, we might not see it for a few weeks, maybe not even until the closer to the end of the season. We uh, we know how the NFL works in these situations like this they tend to take their time. So unless the Denver Broncos decide that they are not going to allow Melvin Gordon to play this week, then that would be what would keep him out of the game. But as of right now, he's not going to be kept out of this game because of the NFL. So the Denver Broncos, the organization is what we're going to have to keep our eyes on. As far as Melvin Gordon goes, have contingencies in place. Hopefully you're able to have Philip Lindsay because he's back at a full uh, full participant in practice. He's going to be a good to go on Sunday one way or another. Definitely have contingencies in place though, because it seems very up in the air, whether or not Melvin Gordon's actually going to play at this moment. And because of the very vague nature of the Denver Broncos right now and the way that they're treating this. I don't really have a great feel for you, one way or another, in which way I think it is leaning at this point. So just have contingencies in place. I would definitely call it a 50 50 at this point. Cam Newton, he's back at practice. He's definitely expected. He'll be ready to go. He was ace of the mag the whole time. The second he walks back into practice, he's back to being the starting quarterback and back to being in your fantasy lineups without a doubt. Darius Slayton, he's expected to play, had a limited participant in practice the last two days uh, with a foot issue, but the coaching staff, Joe Judge, came out today, said he's expected to go. Sterling Shepard is not, so that's important to note. That means Slayton should be maintaining his eight to 10 target value that he's been hitting over the past few weeks without Sterling Shepard being there. He should be the number one wide receiver and it's a decent matchup here, I guess the Washington football club. So you can go ahead and play Darius Slate in your lineups as a high end wide receiver, three low low-end wide receiver two with upside this week and expect him to be good to go. Deshaun Jackson is expected to play. He's been able to get some work in at practice. They need somebody to come back. Jackson looked like he's going to be the guy, but Alshon Jeffrey, I would lean towards Alshon Jeffrey being more doubtful this week than him actually being able to have a chance to go. They talked about this is the first week he's actually been able to get reps in with the team itself. I mean, and Doug Peterson came out and said, well, like, we're just trying to get him acclimated. We're, we're trying to see where he's at. We're trying to get him involved in the game plan. But it didn't really sound like to me that they were really pushing the envelope for him to play this week. Now, this is a good, I would bet money that he's going to be active for week seven. But it does kind of sound like they might wait more one more week on Alshon Jeffrey as it stands right now. So definitely expect Deshaun Jackson back, though. He, again, he's nothing more than a boomer bust wide receiver for heading into uh, this Sunday. And then last, well, not last. We got two more. Deontay Johnson, he returned to practice yesterday. So he's back on track to play Sunday. Juju Smith-Schuster returned to practice yesterday along with him. So he should be good to go. We were never really worried about him in the first place, though. And last but not least, DJ Chark did not practice yesterday. We thought it was kind of 50-50 if he's even going to play this Sunday to begin with. We'll have to see if he's able to do anything in practice today, but right now he's trending in the direction of probably missing this particular game. LaVisca Chenault, however, he did come back to practice in a limited capacity dealing with the hamstring issue uh, yesterday. So he's on track to play this Sunday and could be looked at as a boomer bust wide receiver for with the amount of targets that should be vacated with DJ Chark out of the lineup. If you're looking for a flex or a bye week fill-in. So that wraps up the injury news from the games that we talked about Yesterday, which now allows us to finally go into our first game of the four o'clock games, which is the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. And we are going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Don't you worry, but we're already going to be previewing the Kansas City game in this episode. So we're going to talk about it then because he signed a one year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs and what that might mean for his fantasy value moving forward in just a little bit. Now, what is what is his absence on the Jets mean? Well, we've already seen this for the past three weeks. It means that you don't have a running back on the Jets that is fantasy worthy. It means that the only person who's fantasy worthy is Jameson Crowder. We talked about that yesterday. I have Jameson Crowder actually as a high end wide receiver too heading into this week. You can always check out my rankings on BellyUpFantasySports.com. And of course, we always talk about this from a half-point PPR standpoint, but he's a high-end wide receiver too. The target share has been there. There's no reason not to expect Jameson Crowder at this point with this team to not continue to get double-digit targets every single week. It's just how they're set up. The slot receiver is the only position, the only player who actually benefits from an Adam Gase called offense. Adam Gase, who talked about giving up the play calling after last week, Decided to change his mind the following day after getting ready to Le'Veon Bell. And I was like, oh, you know what? Le'Veon Bell is gone now. I don't have to give up. Uh, I don't have to give up play calling because I don't have any players to complain about it, I guess, even though the entire NFL world is complaining about Adam Case even having a job to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. He's still going to be calling plays. That means James Crowder is still going to be the focus. Even though Prashad Perryman is actually trending in the right direction right now to return on Sunday, and even though the idea that you're going to have Joe Flacco be the starting quarterback, which means you have a guy who's going to be a little bit more willing to throw it to the wide receivers on the perimeter than I believe Sam Darnold ever is it's still going to be James Crowder getting those double digit looks. I mean, first of all, he's going to be playing the slot most of the time, which means he has the mismatch against his Miami Dolphins secondary where Brashad Perryman, even if he comes back, he's going to be matched up on a Byron Jones or an Xavier Howard heading into this game anyway. So we're not too worried about what Crowder's floor is going to be. He's got over a hundred yards of a touchdown every single week that he's played so far this season. It's Jamison Crowder, so it's hard to say that that level of production is something that he can sustain, but I can tell you the volume is definitely something that he can sustain, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter what the matchup is, because they're the New York Jets, and they're going to be coming back from behind in the second half, no matter who they're playing every single week this season, because they're just absolutely dreadful. So that's why Crowder is the only thing that's a fantasy note on this team at all in any capacity. Just a quick note, Denzel Mims, he is not expected to play. We don't know when or if Denzel Mims is ever going to see the field. Because remember, Adam Gase, he doesn't like actually tall, talented, fast perimeter wide receivers. He doesn't believe in them. I mean, that's why Devontae Parker doesn't go off until Adam Gase finally leaves. So he, does, he doesn't like talent. He has, he has a he has allergic reaction to talent being on his team. So I don't expect to see Denzel Mims back anytime soon. Now we move on to the Miami Dolphins side of the ball. And this is where, of course, there's a lot more fantasy implications here because everyone's fantasy relevant when you get to play the New York Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is one of our top streamers of the week. He comes in at QB 14 for us. Definitely somebody you can go ahead and pick up as a high-end QB 2 who has the upside to get you inside the top 10 no matter what. Because, one, this is a revenge game. But, two... He's been letting it loose. He looked very good the past couple of weeks, and he's going to continue to do that in this matchup against the New York Jets. So guys like Devontae Parker, of course, are must plays. And he's the guy, another guy who's a high end wide receiver, 2 low and wide receiver one heading into this matchup. Preston Williams, who finally looked like he had a pulse last week is in a situation that he could be a wide receiver four play that you could pick up. If you absolutely need a flex play or you need a bye weekend depending on what your league construction is, hopefully you have better options still than Preston Williams. Cause we need to see it more than just one week before we can go ahead and trust that Preston Williams can be a play week in and week out again. I remember even last week, he finally had a good game, but he only saw four targets. It wasn't like he was heavily involved Uh, four or five targets. It wasn't like he was heavily involved in the game plan. He wasn't seeing the kind of target share that he was seeing, frankly, last year when he was with Devontae Parker, which was almost an even target share between the two of them where they were seeing between seven and nine targets a game. That still has not been the case. So until I start to see that Preston Williams is still going to be nothing more than a kind of matchup dependent wide receiver for a desperate fill in play at this point, but he can be a legitimate one. If that's what you're looking at against the New York jets this week, for sure. Mike Isaki in this matchup comes in as our tight end 9 so he's going to come in as our top 10 tight ends. We know we talked about yesterday a lot quite a bit how the the just detrimental landscape of it all when it comes to the tight end position. You're going to have to play Mike Isaki and he's going to probably be in a low end tight end one, high end tight end two territory. Probably the rest of the season, because unlike a lot of other tight ends, he's not as touchdown dependent because he does have a target share. I want to say every other week, still not consistent because he still has those. He still has those games where he gets one catch for 15 yards on three targets. He had that twice this year already. But even if it's a every other week situation, that's still better than a lot of the other tight ends in that similar streaming territory that you're looking at right now. Anyway, so and, and going into this matchup, he has to come in as a top 10 play for us. Luckily, they don't have any uh, injury news that we have to talk about. Miles Gaskin, he does come in as RB24, but this is a situation that we have to keep our eyes on. This is a situation that we have to see because Matt Breida all of a sudden is starting to play a little bit more. Uh, Jordan Howard's not a factor anymore, so that's I guess that's probably the good news right now at this point. Miles Gaskin winds up being the guy who gets the goal line carries when Jordan Howard's not involved in the rotation, and we don't know yet if he's going to be activated this week or not, Jordan Howard, that is. So there's a chance that Miles Gaskin might be in a position to actually be able to be the goal line back in this matchup, and the Jets have given up pretty much a 100-yard rusher almost every single week. Uh, So far, because they just, you know, the levy just breaks in the second half because the defense is nothing but be on the field because their offense doesn't know how to score points. So it kind of winds up being that situation for them. So Gaskin is somebody I'm okay with him as a very low end RB two, high end RB three. He's definitely a guy who's a valuable fill in this week especially in the, with the bye weeks coming in with the four teams on by guys who have Alan Kamara and stuff like that are on bye. So you have running backs that you need to replace this week. Miles Gaskin is a fine fill in uh, in this matchup for now, but I do for the future purposes want to watch his rotation going to continue to play out between Gaskin and Matt Brita. Will Matt Brita start to get more touches like he did a week ago. And that might kill Gaskin's value as far as just being a fill in running back
2: moving forward. So something to kind of watch when you head in Sunday.
4: Now we'll move on to the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game is going to be very interesting because this is finally shaping up to be the game where Tampa Bay actually has all of its weapons again on the field. Now, I don't know if they're going to be 100%. Chris Godwin, we expect him to come back this week. He's been limited participant in practice with the hamstring issue. He'll be good to go. Mike Evans has been limited participant in practice. He's been banged up all year long and just kind of gutting it through right now. But he's expected to be activated as well. Leonard Fournette, again, another one where I'm not sure how close to 100% he's going to wind up being. He's been a limited participant in practice, too. But being that he's at least able to be activated for emergency purposes last Thursday, and he is back at practice this week, I expect him to have at least his role of him spelling out with Ronald Jones to at least some degree. Now, how, how, uh, how, how healthy he is will dictate how, how much he's involved in the game plan, which will also dictate whether or not Ronald Jones is looking at 20 carries again in this game. And I think that's the question in everybody's mind. Can you play Ronald Jones now that Leonard Fournette is back in the lineup? I think the answer to that question has to be yes for now, because I don't believe from what we have heard, what we've read, what we've seen that Leonard Fournette is close enough to a hundred percent where this is going to go back to a 12 to nine split in those carries as, as that was kind of shaping up to be the case. Um, uh, but we have to see because if Ronald Jones fumbles, if he misses a blocking assignment, if he drops the ball, and Leonard Fournette is healthy enough to be able to be out there, then you know we'll see them flip flop, and that's kind of been the case. That's kind of the problem. So. The answer is yes, I think you have to play Ronald Jones because I think leading off the game at the very least, he's going to get the bulk of the work. I think that's going to be the plan heading into the game at the very minimum. And being that there's not a lot of options for you at the running back position this week, I think you do have to play Ronald Jones as an RB two. But just keep in mind, there's a very low floor involved because if one mistake happens and all of a sudden we could see Leonard Fournette and Keyshawn Vaughn for the rest of the game. That's kind of the belt, the delicate balance that you're going to have to deal with when it comes to Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in general. And then when Fournette's actually more healthy and more good to go, we're going to be back on the argument, the discussion, you know, does Leonard Fournette take over this job at some point, or is Ronald Jones going to be able to continue to stave him off? And the answer right now is that we don't know. We're going to have to see more of this for now though, for this week, I think you can play Ronald Jones and an RB two, but just understand that there's going to be some risk attached to that and maybe build out the rest of your lineup this week, taking note of that possible low floor in case the game does not go the way that you would hope it would. If you have Ronald Jones, uh, as far as everybody else, Gronk the tight ends, can you play them now? Gronk is well outside of my range of streaming tight ends this week they've gotten, they got him and Cameron Bray definitely involved last week, but also a lot of that was because other than Mike Evans, who wasn't even close to being hundred percent healthy, they really didn't have many guys left standing last week in that Thursday night matchup. So, it has to be, you know, are they involved because of that? Or are they involved because Bruce Arians actually wants to start getting Gronk and Cameron Bray a little bit more involved in the offense? That's something that we're going to have to watch. I do think at some point this season, there's a decent chance that Rob Gronkowski will be a streaming option for you guys. But for right now, I would stay away from this from this situation altogether, if I can at all help it. But he comes in at our tight end 27 for me this week. There has to be a better option for you than Rob Gronkowski if you're looking to stream tight ends at all. Tom Brady, with all these weapons back against the Green Bay Packers, this game could, could be a shootout. Now, there, is, there definitely seems to be a ceiling to some degree with Tom Brady outside of the five touchdown performance that he had a couple weeks ago. But I do think in this matchup, because it could possibly be a shootout, because he's going to have all of his weapons back, Tom Brady does enter that streaming territory. We still have him at QB 17. There's a decent amount of uh, quarterbacks that I think you can go to this week other than Brady, but he does enter that territory, that possibility. So if you're looking at Tom Brady, you're looking for a replacement for one of your guys. He's somebody who can fall into that category and somebody who's very interesting to me for the rest of the season if he can actually have these weapons being healthy for the rest for the rest of the year. So this game this game against Green Bay is going to tell us a lot of what we need to know as far as what Tom Brady's fantasy value is going to be when he has his weapons the rest of the season. It's going to tell us a lot of what we need to know. So something to watch, you can play him. I'm more interested to see how this is going to work out moving forward in this game though than I am wanting to actually play Tom Brady as a top streamer this particular week, especially when you have guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick who are widely available, who I would much rather stream in this matchup, Ryan Tannehill uh, guys, guys of that need Kirk cousins, even uh, guys of that nature this particular week. But something I definitely keep my eye on when you talk about the green Bay Packers, you talk about Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is going to be back this week. That is the 100% great news that fantasy owners have been waiting for You had him go off for you in week one. You haven't really been able to use him since as a result. I know he burned quite a few people uh, in that Monday night game when everyone expected him to actually play it. And all of a sudden it came out that day that he was not going to be active for that game. That burned a lot of people. Hopefully he comes back in. He's able to make it up to you guys. Now, I had tweeted out earlier that I thought he actually had a decent chance to have a great game because Carlton Davis was looking a little bit iffy, but Carlton Davis did actually wind up coming out and practice today. So he looks like he is going to be good to go come Sunday. So he is going to have to deal with that matchup. Not that I'm worried about it for Devonte Adams. Not that it doesn't make him a wide receiver one. Even still the good news is that because the green Bay Packers played it cautiously with Adams, unlike what the Atlanta Falcons did with Julio Jones there's a very good chance that Devontae Adams is coming in at pretty close, if not 100% healthy in this game now. So definitely should be a good feeling if you have Devontae Adams. Obviously, you're going to be playing him, and I do believe you can still expect wide receiver one potential, even in a matchup that might be have him matched up on Carlton Davis, who's coming along as a great top corner for sure. Now, for the rest of everybody else, Aaron Rodgers, you definitely can play him. Tampa Bay's a little bit banked up. Vita Vey is out for the rest of the season. He's been playing absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, on paper, this could turn into a shootout game. Aaron Rodgers comes in, number 10 quarterback, flat on the week, so he's definitely a QB one for us. And whenever he has Adams back in the lineup, it's always a little bit of a positivity for Aaron Rodgers for sure. But having said all that, Look at what he's been able to do even in Devontae Adams' absence so far. He's been a top-10 quarterback no matter the matchup for every single week, even without his big guy to go to. So I'm very excited for Rodgers, what he could do this week, what he could do moving forward. You continue to play him as a QB1. If you drafted Rodgers late, you're looking real pretty for the rest of the season, frankly. Aaron Jones, obviously you're playing him. He's an RB1, hands down, no issues there. Robert Tanyan. Yeah, Robert Tanya is one of our top streaming tight ends. We talked about you're we looking at guys like Gronk and things of that nature. Robert Tanyan should be available in a lot of leagues out there. We have him number eight coming into this week. So we believe he will be a top 10 tight end. Now, this is something that is another narrative that we're going to have to watch to know, kind of know what moving forward, because was Robert Tanya involved at a level that he was involved with because Devontae Adams? missed or was it or was he involved because he's just going to be involved in the offense now because he is that good he is emerging he has the trust of aaron Rodgers. he is going to be a red zone target that's what we're going to get to find out this week against tampa bay especially if it winds up being a high scoring game like we think it possibly could be in this matchup now so definitely something to watch but for right now given the tight end landscape given what there is out there for you to be streaming I think there's very few options you're going to find that are better than Robert Tanyan right now, given what he's been able to do so far on the season and what you're looking for just as a floor from your tight end position if you're sitting there streaming. So Robert Tanyan is somebody that we could go after, pick up and play with at least some confidence. And obviously we'll be keeping our eyes on how this matchup with Adams being back on the field will play out moving forward for him. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, can you play him? He's nothing more than a wide receiver for a boomer bust option. And that's, you know, that's with Adams is without Adams. It doesn't matter. He's all, he's a guy who's really only looking at a, maybe five targets in a game and that's kind of his ceiling. And it doesn't really seem to matter who is playing or not playing or who the opponent is uh, on the other side either. So Marcus Valley scaling, is he a wide receiver for with some upside? Yes. So can you consider him in that flex territory this week? If you're just hurting for uh, bodies, Yes, hopefully you have better options, though, who have a higher floor that you could go to. Like, for instance, I would rather play T. Higgins against the Indianapolis Colts, especially with us expecting there to not be an A.J. Green, than for you guys to play a Marcus valdez scaling and to take your shot on that. Uh, it's not just because, you know, Devontae Adams is back. It's just he's not consistently involved, plain and simple. Other than having that one big game, or, those, or I shouldn't not say one big game. He had two good games in a row uh, when Alan Lazar was healthy. Other than that, though, he hasn't really done much in Adams' uh, absence. It hasn't really been to him. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling is somebody that you can play as a more robust option, but I would rather play a guy like a T. Higgins or something like that that you could probably find in your waiver wire or be available to you in case you're kind of looking at that issue. So what we're going to do real quick, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We have a few more games to talk about. And we also have an extensive mailbag segment for you guys in today's show. So make sure you stay tuned after this.
3: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
4: And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for Android. If you're looking for the app or WWSRN on iOS, that's always the best place to listen to us live, watch us live as you get and download the worldwide sports radio network app. And of course we are also presented by belly up sports. And we're talking about the late window of games for week six, heading into your fantasy football matchups. We talked about the early window of games yesterday that you can go ahead and check out on your favorite streaming app. It's available to you on iHeart, Google play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to go. And we're rolling through these games here. We're talking about the Sunday night game now, which is, would it looked like a lot better game on paper before the entire San Francisco 49 roster decided to go ahead and get hurt. The one that we do have coming back for them, Jimmy Garoppolo, didn't look very healthy last week, but he is practicing in full this week. They had stayed consistent that he was going to be the starting quarterback next week, and that they just pulled him out of those, that game to protect him because he was getting rocks behind the offensive line that was not doing a good job protecting him against the Miami Dolphins a week ago, and as a result was just making him not step into the throws I thought he didn't really look very healthy, but the situation right now for him is that because he's practicing in full, they expect him to start and to go. I You're not going to play Jimmy Garoppolo in this game as a streaming quarterback, but it's is important to note when you're talking about, okay, can George Kittle write the ship? Because he had didn't have a great game last week. Can he get back on track? Are they going to lean on Raheem Mostert? The other question I think everyone's trying to ask themselves, is, is there going to be a fantasy-relevant wide receiver for the 49ers that you can actually play on a week to week basis and not one of those. Yeah, they went off, but they went off on my bench because there was never a time where you felt good of actually playing them right now. If there's a 49ers wide receiver that I'm leaning towards, it's still brain and at the moment as Devo Samuel is still kind of working his way back into game shape, but I'm not playing either one of these guys. First of all, It's not a good matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. I don't believe a rookie Brandon Ayuk is going to have a lot of success against Jalen Ramsey in the Sunday night game. And that's not what they're going to lean on. They're going to lean on the run game. So when it comes to fantasy football purposes, I think there's only two players for the 49ers that you can play. I think it's Raheem Mostert and George Kittle. Raheem Mostert coming in as an RB2 for us on the week. Of course, George Kittle, a top three tight end. And that's going to be pretty much every single week, no matter what's going on with them, no matter who the quarterback is. But outside of that, I don't know if you could play anybody else. Jarek McKinnon, he does come in the 34 for us at half point PPR. So that does mean technically he is a guy that we view as a low end flex play, and you may not have a better option. I didn't like that he wasn't very involved last week, uh, which was coming something that was kind of surprising because even when Raheem Moster and Tavin Coleman were healthy, Jarek McKinnon was still getting his fair share of, of opportunities to be able to produce. He was still scoring touchdowns during that time. So I was very surprised against the Miami Dolphins, Raheem Mostert coming off his knee injury. And and the first week back, it was all Raheem Mostert and Jerick McKinnon was kind of left outside in that game. Now that was a weird game flow. That wasn't the game script that they were expecting. McKinnon did come in on snaps where you thought he might get some opportunities in the passing game. It just kind of didn't work out that way. I don't like if you have a better, I would hope you have a higher floor option you can go with, but I would expect Jerick McKinnon to get back to at least somewhere between 8 to 10 touches in those games. Because more, Raheem Mostert is not somebody they're going to lean on as a bell cow back. I think we have all established that at this point. Just, that's not just going to happen. So more times not Jerick McKinnon or at least somebody else will be a little bit more involved at a, at least a 40 to 45% clip. So I expect them to get kind of get back to that in this matchup against the Los Angeles Rams, which is why Jerick McKinnon is a low end flex play for us. If you just need somebody to plug in for your bye week fill-ins, which a lot of people right now are in a situation that they need that. They need to find somebody they can go to. So McKinnon can be that guy. Hopefully though, you have a higher floor option at the very least that you can kind of go with because McKinnon is going to be very boomer bust where you have to hope he breaks one and gets back into the end zone in order to give you some fantasy value return. But a guy worth keeping your eye on, depending on what your roster construction situation is, on the Ram side of things, Jared Goff. He's a streaming option. He's quarterback fifteen for us on the week. He definitely doesn't have the high high ceiling, uh, but he's been very solid. I think in all except for one game so far this year. He's been very solid. He's been a guy who's going 300 yards, a couple touchdowns almost every single week. This 49ers defense doesn't have a pass rush right now. Still do not have Richard Sherman back. So there's still a man down in the secondary on top of it. This is a defense they should be able to take advantage of with the way Sean McVay has been calling plays, the way Jared Goff has been playing in general, and the fact that the entire Rams offense is now back and healthy and they're going to have their full plethora of weapons. I expect this offense to have a very good game. Now, it is a divisional opponent, and sometimes that can uh, amp things up where all of a sudden the underdog, which would be the 49ers in this situation, even at home can sometimes play better than what you would expect them to when it's divisional matchups. However, I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at it on paper with the data that we have, there should be a good matchup where Jared Goff can be a solid streaming option for you at the quarterback position this week, given how the offense has played and given the injury woes of the 49ers side of the ball, running back situation every single week. I'm going to have to have this migraine of talking about the Rams running back situation because every single week, no matter how many times I say, I don't want any part of this. And I don't understand why if you're part of MD nation, why you would want any part of this backfield every single week, someone's asking me, what do I do about Daryl Henderson? What do I do about cam Akers?" Not very often about what do you do with Malcolm Brown, but he is a factor in this scenario. If you have to play one, I would be Daryl Henderson just because he's been the best one so far. But there is a caveat with that, of course. Cam Akers, Sean McVay last week came out pretty much right away and said that they expect Cam Akers to be much more involved coming into this week after he played his first game back from his rib injury a week ago and was the most efficient back of the three. Wasn't the most productive, but was the most efficient last week. Dale Henderson still got a few more touches, but Cam Akers was actually the better running back, which is partly why Sean McVay came out right away and said that Cam Akers was going to be more involved heading into week six. That's the problem. So as of right now, it actually sounds like in Sean McVay's mind, if you're taking into consideration he's been doing nothing but playing the hot hand approach, Cam Akers is the one who has the hot hand at the moment. So he actually might get first crack in this game. Like that that's just how topsy turvy it is. So Darren Henderson definitely has risk, more of a RB three this week than he is a RB two. Unfortunately, because it's of it's a heavy bye week, there's injuries about. You might not have better options, which is why you're asking me, can I play Darren Henderson? I would say yes. That's who I would lean towards if I have to pick one. I think Cam Akers is more of a boomer bust desperate flex play because you still kind of need to see it. But there is that note of Sean McVay seems like he wanted to get cam makers involved coming into this. And when Sean McVay says something, when it comes to this running backfield at this point, I think we all need to believe him because he hasn't lied to us. He said, it's going to be a three way committee. He said, it's going to be a hot hand approach. And he has stuck to that. He hasn't gone with just one guy or another. Every time we think we're going to be able to depend on Darrell Henderson, the carpet gets pulled out from under us. And all of a sudden Malcolm Brown's getting more carries. Cam Akers got a lot of carries last week. So that's kind of it's just the issue. That's why I don't want any part of this Rams backfield. But if you're sitting there and you have a Henderson, you have a Cam Akers, I would lean towards Henderson. Akers is nothing more than a desperate flyer at this point. You still kind of have to see it. And you still have to wait for there to be some clarity. Uh, you have to wait for there to be some clarity before you can actually trust these guys on a week-to-week basis, depending upon your situations. We do have some breaking news coming in. I got to hit that sounder real quick. Breaking news. So the Patriots, just when we thought that we were out of the woods with the COVID-19 news for this week, the Patriots have canceled their practice today after they had another positive COVID-19 test. And they said there is a second positive test that is also waiting to be confirmed. So the Patriots are back in the wait and see position when it comes to COVID-19 just when it looked like they were getting everybody back. Cause Cam Newton came back, Stephon Gilmore came back and they were looking like they were pretty much cleared and ready to go. And everyone tested negative. I think yesterday and now all of a sudden they have one confirmed positive and possibly a second that they're waiting to be confirmed. So they have canceled practice today or at least canceled being at the facility. So again, the Patriots, and the Broncos are once again going to have to be a matchup that we have our eyes on as far as what's going to happen from here moving forward. That's just this, this is 2020 where any given minute we have updated news constantly. So, yeah, I, it's, it's tough, and especially since that's a matchup that a lot of people were waiting to happen. It was already the matchup that got canceled from last week, essentially. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. And this is always really tricky when we start to have new positive tests late in the week, right? Because it's one thing when it happens on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, you can kind of make your adjustments ahead of time. You also know that there's time for things to get back on track as far as the team being able to just play it. Get those guys out of the building, figure out who's healthy, who's not, and be able to move forward from there. When it happens on a Friday, whew, it, it makes it it makes it makes a little tricky when it happens on a Friday. So something we're definitely going to have to watch. Make sure you have contingencies made for all of your Denver players. Make sure you have contingency plays uh, for all of your Patriot players. After that news, just coming through our desk right now. Uh, So getting back to what we were talking about with the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers in the Sunday night matchup. You know, we're talking about the Rams backfield, Talk about, you, you know, you, can trust Dale Henderson. Well, you can't trust Dale Henderson, but if you have to play one, it'll be Henderson in this week. We'll keep our eye on Cam Akers. We'll keep our eye on this rotation until some clarity arises, whether it be through injury or excellent play from someone. The annoying part of it is, and this will be the last thing I say about it, is just there's no set roles. Coming in, we thought, like, okay, it'll be a three-way committee, but it might be Malcolm Brown's goal back, It might be Daryl Henderson as the passing down back, and Cam Akers just might handle everything between the 20s on first and second down. It, it, they're not specialized roles. It's you have the hot hand, you get this series and you get all the work on this series. Now this guy's going to come in, you're going to get all the work on this series. And then this guy's going to come in, you're going to get all the work on this series. So because there's no specialized role, it just makes this committee that much more of a migraine to try to figure out what you can and cannot trust. That'll be the last thing I say about it for this week until we have the same problem again next week. Cause we're going to have this problem every single week, Cooper cup, Robert
2: Woods,
4: Every single week are wide receiver twos. They do have some upside potential in this matchup because you're going up against San Francisco defense that is beaten up. that doesn't have a pass rush. And because of the way Cooper cup and Robert Woods have been utilized, I do think that is a mismatch with the San Francisco 49ers. They're not necessarily looking to take off uh, to take the top off or anything like that, but because of the end rounds, the motions, everything like that, I think they will get plenty of mismatches, plenty of favorable ones for both. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. If you want to ask me, which one do I value more? It's Cooper Cup out outside of two weeks. I believe Cooper Cup has actually been the lead receiver over Robert Woods as far as any football purposes from a target share standpoint. So he's actually been getting more volume on a consistent basis. They're both wide receiver twos though. I, you could rank them right next to each other and not really expect a difference. They're both must plays every single week. And there might just be one week here or there where it's more of a cup week than a woods week or more of a woods week than a cup week being that there's no elite corners on the San Francisco 49ers right now, neither one has a better matchup than the other in this game. So it's just going to be a matter of where does the flow go? And frankly, the target share between the two of these guys has been pretty even. So they could both just have very good games in this week. That's why we both have them at wide receiver twos uh, coming into this matchup. So that pretty much wraps up. Oh no, sorry. We got to talk about Tyler Higby, another guy who has, kind of fallen out of favor a lot for fantasy owners. Another guy who has fallen from the top tight end streaming territory to the bottom tight end streaming territory. And that's no different this week. He comes in at tight end 17 with Tyler Higby. He's very touchdown dependent right now because he's not running a lot of routes in between twenties. They're not looking for him in that part of the field. They are looking for him in the red zone. He is getting involved there but that's what just makes him very touchdown dependent, because otherwise you're not getting a floor out of Tyler Higby. Something that you were expecting to have heading into this week, given how he played last year, given that the Rams don't really have big play options. They have to rely on their intermediate guys. But Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Jared Goff have been able to get the job done so well without him necessarily being involved, especially between the 20s. So if you're playing Tyler Higby, you have to pray for a touchdown. It's not that he can't have one in this game, but the tight end has still struggled against San Francisco 49ers this, this year because the one thing they have had intact is they've had their linebackers and they've had their safeties intact for the most part. So they have taken away the tight end from most of the teams throughout this season. So I don't really love the matchup here for Tyler Higby. And I also want to see him get back to being more involved. The silver lining with Higby is that he's still on the field pretty much all the time because of his blocking ability. So when you look at last week and you saw all of a sudden Gerald Everett got involved, I know a lot of people got a little bit queasy because of that. Look, Higby is still on the field all the time. Gerald Everett is not. And that was the first game Gerald Everett was actually involved in the passing game in any significant way. And even then, he still only got four targets. So that's not something that we can look at and say, that's how it's going to be now moving forward. Gerald Everett's not going to be more involved. Now, it was a one-time deal that we still need to be continued on as far as needing to get more data with what's going on with the tight end position. But right now, Tyler Higbee is still on the field all the time. He is a threat in the red zone. He just has no floor. So you kind of have to take that into consideration when you're looking at streaming options. Definitely pick up a Robert Tanyan if he's available in your leagues and play him over Tyler Higbee this week, just for one example for you guys out there. Now that wraps that up for the Sunday night games. Now we get to talk about the two Monday night games. We get to talk about what everybody has wanted me to talk about. Probably this entire show, which is Le'Veon Bell signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, obviously he's not going to be involved this week. So this might be the last week. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the bell cow back for the Kansas City Chiefs. This might be the last week for that. Look, you bring it, you're signing Le'Veon Bell. He's going to be involved. Now, what that split is going to be, we're probably not going to know until next week. The Kansas City Chiefs came out today and said that they hope that Le'Veon Bell will be cleared because he starts to go through all the, uh, the COVID protocol stuff and from, uh, you know, changing teams and everything like that. They're hoping he'll be cleared and good to go and be able to practice by next Wednesday. So that way he can be involved heading into week seven. What that split's going to be, to be determined. Here's what we do know as far as why the Chiefs were interested in doing this signing. Edwards has been non-effective in the red zone so far. I don't think it's completely his fault. I think some of the play calling, I think the offensive line hasn't, get, hasn't been able to get much of a push when they get down the trenches are, are to blame as well. But the fact remains that he has not been able to convert too much in the red zone, it's something that I thought could be an issue just given his size and being that he's not an explosive uh, running back back there. He, remember, this is a guy who ran a 4-6. He doesn't have that second gear. I've talked about that before. I think that's why he hasn't been going romper room on everybody and why everyone's been kind of a little disappointed that he hasn't flashed and shown anything as being as far as being special because I don't really think his explosiveness is special to begin with. I mean, even Damian Williams had big games just because he had speed. Now, Clyde edwards is definitely infinitely better than Damian Williams as far as being an all-around running back is concerned, but... Because he doesn't have that extra gear, he doesn't have those big-looking plays that I think a lot of people thought he might have being able to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been more involved in the passing game over the past couple of weeks. But at this point in his career, that might be Le'Veon Bell's best feature. And it's not like Le'Veon Bell's ever been a huge goal line back, although he's bigger by nature, which is why I think they're going to give him that role most likely. But that's where it's interesting. Because Le'Veon Bell's best feature is his ability to catch the ball, we might be looking at a decently even timeshare. Dare I say. I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with that. Some because they don't think Le'Veon Bell should be in an even timeshare. Some because they they have CEH and they don't want to be bothered with the prospect that this might be an even timeshare. But Le'Veon Bell is not coming in to do the LaShawn McCoy thing last year, which was, you know, get 10 to 12 carries, and that's the only part of the game he's really going to be involved with. He's not going to be involved that much in the passing game. That's not what he's coming in to do. He's coming in to to be involved in every facet of the game. It's just going to be a question of how often is he involved? How often is he on the field? It would not surprise me at all, especially considering that we've seen Darrell Williams suddenly get an uptick in snap count last week it would not surprise me if Le'Veon Bell and CEH are on a series-by-series split for the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid moving forward. It would not surprise me. They are both running backs who can play all three downs because of their skill sets. So it's not going to be a specialized role thing outside of I could see it being Le'Veon Bell's specialized role when it gets into the goal line situation. If that winds up happening, then both... CEH and Le'Veon Bell at that point would become high end RB3s, low end RB2s every single week. If that's a scenario that plays out, again, we're not going to have a good feel for it until we actually see these two guys on the field. Meaning, I can't play Le'Veon Bell in week seven because I'm going to have to, I'm going to need to see it first. I'm going to need to see exactly, first of all, how quickly can you acclimate yourself to this offense? That's number one. And then number two, what is your guy's plan between the split between CEH and Le'Veon Bell? You'll still be able to play CEH every single week this season because he still should be the guy who gets most of the work. Even though It might not be a lot more than Le'Veon Bell at some points if they wind up being in a split committee, but he should get most of the work from here on out. If you were to make a bet, say, from week seven, who has more touches, CEH or Le'Veon Bell rest of season, it should be CEH. So, you should be able to play him every single week still. Just he, he's not going to be a guy who can be considered a high end RB2, low end RB1 anymore after this week. He's going to have to fall back down to the low end RB2, high end RB3 range instead. Doesn't really surprise me. This isn't a guy that I thought was going to get 250 touches. This is why I told everybody at MD Nation coming into the draft. And this, you know, obviously, is before they even had Le'Veon Bell that he wasn't worth a first round pick because of that. He doesn't. He can't do the Alvin Kamara thing when he doesn't have the explosive skill set of an Alvin Kamara. That's why I said he wasn't a first round pick. Second round pick because of his skill set with the situation that he's with. Sure. Not the first round. So the chiefs wanting to make this move, especially given the inefficiencies that Clyde player has seen so far in the red zone, especially doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. So this is definitely one we're going to have to watch moving forward. As far as people out there talking about, should I just trade and redraft leagues? That is dynasty leagues. Obviously, you're keeping them, but should I just trade Clyde edwards Hilaire and redraft? My answer to that is no. This is still a running back who is going to should get, like I said, most of the work from here on out. In a situation where he's on the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't move on from that. I mean, unless you're going to get, you know, a Josh Jacobs, or unless you're going to get an RB one, which at this point with the signing with Le'Veon Bell is not going to happen. So unless you're able to do that, I'm not moving on from Edwards at any point this season. He's still in a great situation and who knows, maybe him being able to play more of his game and not be relied upon as the bell cow back being a little bit fresher might help out. It might help his fantasy value moving forward. We'll have to see, but you're not moving on from him and you're just going to have to temper your expectations as to what his potential could be each given week. Once Le'Veon Bell is playing For this week, he can still have the same expectations, the same upside that you've ex- had for him. But that's going to be the end of it as far as him being the bell cow back. So that, that's kind of the take right now that we have on Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Obviously, as far as this week goes, Mahomes, play. Hill, play. Kelsey, play. All, all number ones, top fives at the position. Sammy Watkins is going to miss this game. It does sound like he's going to avoid the IR, though. So that means he should be back within the next three weeks. So maybe next week, maybe the week after that, but they're not going to put him on the IR. That's, that's the number one point. With that in mind, this is the opportunity if you've been a Miko Hardman supporter, lover, which I really haven't been, but this is the chance to see, can Miko Hardman seize the opportunity to get those routes run? Or are they going to do what they did last year and rotate Hartman Robinson in and out of the lineup? Are they going to take turns? Are they going to split snap counts, split targets, split routes, run, everything? Haven't really been able to get a good indication one way or another so far in practice about this situation, especially now with all the buzz being about Le'Veon Bell, and this doesn't seem like anybody else is talking about this. On paper, their depth chart suggests that Miko Hartman will at least get first crack, but well, we know what the Kansas City Chiefs, what they put out as their depth chart as far as the wide receivers goes, matters not at all as far as who actually gets the most playing time that week. So just kind of a, a note there. They drafted him in the second round. He's more in their future plans than DeMarcus Robinson is. Hardman has to be the guy that they're looking to replace Sammy Watkins because Watkins will be gone next year because he only has a one-year deal. I have to imagine they're actually going to give him the opportunity now to see if he can seize it, to see if he can be that guy. That's what he's there to be. So I have to believe at least this week, the game plan going into the game will be to allow Nicole Harbin to be that second receiver to Tyreek Hill. Obviously, if you're looking to play Micole Harbin, yes, of course he has a tremendous upside given his explosive ability with Patrick Mahomes there's still going to be a very low floor until we actually see him get a stable amount of targets. And that's the question that I have. Every, everything logically tells me he should get that opportunity. But that doesn't mean that's what the coaching staff is going to do, and we haven't seen it really play out to that point. Because there has been plenty of instances where they seem to favor the veteran DeMarcus Robinson in these situations when it comes to opportunities to actually play more. So that's the real question that we're going to have. So we're going to keep our eyes on this. I don't want to play Nicole Hartman or Demarcus Robinson if I can at all help it. Obviously, I will play Hartman over Robinson if you have to play one of the two. But just keep in mind, there's going to be a very low floor there until we actually see him get a stable amount of targets. But that's the way it's leaning as of right now with Sammy Watkins definitely out of the lineup for at least this week. And we'll see how much longer after that. So we go to the flip side of the ball. We go to the Buffalo Bills, who just had a terrible game against the Tennessee Titans, who Josh Allen looked like he was every bit the quarterback that I've always felt that he was and looked like he regressed back to what he was a season ago. The first pick wasn't his fault. I can't believe I'm actually trying to defend Josh Allen to some degree, but I think the pendulum swing, especially considering what he has shown us so far this season, has been a little too severe, a little too far back the other way all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, this is the Josh Allen that I've always known. And I thought I was going to be that guy because I've not been a Josh Allen supporter. I don't believe him as a franchise quarterback down the road. I don't believe he's the guy who's ever going to win you the big game because he still makes too many mental errors. He still doesn't have really critical awareness in important situations, in my opinion. But I was definitely not going to sit there and be like, oh, Josh Allen's totally back to what he was last year. I'm like, well, hold on. He's shown us what, four games of being great, one game of being so-so, and we're ready to swing back the pendulum. Even I'm just like, that's a little too harsh. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, he's top three quarterback. Given the volume, given the leg like, ability, obviously, you play Josh Allen. Especially in this matchup, this should be the shootout of the week between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Hands down. So, obviously, you love Josh Allen here. We'll see against the Chiefs if he's able to bounce back. It's going to be a big matchup. We saw Lamar Jackson flop against Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Can Josh Allen do better? We'll wait and see, but you have to play Josh Allen, obviously. I think the more interesting scenario is what do you do about the running backs? Because Devin Singletary didn't look great against Tennessee, and on paper, that should have been a very positive matchup. Zach Moss is back practicing in full. So we expect, even though I've said that we've expected Zach Moss back last week. We expect Zach Moss to play. He practiced in full yesterday on a Thursday. We expect him to be activated and play on Monday. Because remember, because it's a Monday game, technically their Wednesday practice was yesterday. So the first day of actual practice, Zach Moss is out there practicing in full. He should play. Are they definitely going to go back to the 50-50 split that these two seem to have when they were both on the field? Remains to be seen because Devin Singletary outside of last week has been very good. When given the bulk of the workload, he's been able to get into rhythm. And I've thought, frankly, their offense benefited from having a running back who was in rhythm rather than taking these guys in and out, but we'll see what happens They're They're clearly not sold on the idea of Devin Singletary being the bell cow guy week in and week out. Now, as far as this week goes, because a lot of people are going to be looking to play Devin Singletary, given what they need to replace that running back. Yeah, you can play him. He comes in as an RB2 for us this week. He still should get more work than Zach Moss. Like I said, outside of Tennessee, he's looked pretty solid. He's looked pretty quick. He's been able to get involved in the passing game. He's been able to help them out there. That was always the big question with Devin Singletary, especially when it came to what the split was going to be between him and Zach Moss. So he's somebody who comes in as more of a floor RB2 play. Still hasn't gone off yet this season. Hasn't gone over 100 yards rushing. Has been very inconsistent as far as getting opportunities at the goal line. So you're playing him because you know he could probably get you somewhere between 7 and 9 points. Maybe 12 and a half point PPR league. Is a good match against Kansas City. Running backs have been pretty successful. There should be opportunities to score or at least opportunities to have decent big plays. You can play Devin Singletary as a high-floor RB2 this week. And just we'll keep our eye on, on the prize as far as what the split between him and Zach Moss is going to be. Receivers, obviously play Stephon Diggs. He's a you know a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Even though Kansas City is pretty good against perimeter uh, wide receivers, the good thing about Stephon Diggs is that they're rotating him in and out as far as being in the slot and the perimeter, so he's getting mismatches. And he's just getting a crazy target share from Josh Allen, so there's nothing to worry about there. John Brown is back practicing coming off the calf issue. He should be good to go. He's nothing more than a boomer bus wide receiver for option that I could see you wanting to play for the upside, given that the expected game script would be a shootout for this week. So I'm okay. Taking a shot on John Brown. If you're looking to try to hit a home run somewhere, but the thing about John Brown has been, he has been their primary perimeter wide receiver so far this year. Because the guys rotating in and out, as far as the slot goes, has been Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. So John Brown might have the toughest matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs out of all the wide receivers as a result of that. So he's going to have a low floor. So just kind of keep that in mind. I'm okay with you taking a shot on him as a flyer, but you are going to have a low floor. So just keep that in mind as you build out your roster construction heading into week six. Cole Beasley, I'm not playing him. When both John Brown and Stephon Diggs are on the field, the target share is not trustworthy enough out of a Cole Beasley. He just doesn't have enough upside for me to want to play him this week. Dawson Knox hasn't been practicing. He's still not somebody who's in that tight end streaming territory anyway, mostly because he hasn't been able to stay healthy so far this, this season and actually get involved on a consistent basis. Maybe he will at some point, but not practicing might be a game time decision. We're not looking to stream Dawson Knox at all. So now that it takes us to the last game we're going to talk about, which is the later Monday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. It's kind of nice and exciting because when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, and then you have the second Monday night game is going to be the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. You have two games that are going to be shootouts for you on Monday. So when we wake up Monday morning and everybody's asking about what do you need for your Monday night miracle there's quite a few miracles that should be had given the expected game script of these two matchups. Now we'll start with the second Monday night game. We'll start by talking about the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball because all eyes are going to be on Andy Dalton. Rightfully so. Dak Prescott done for the year. A lot of questions about what the organization is going to do about Dak moving forward for the future. We'll see what happens there, but that's just another reason on top of can you pick up the slack? that Dak Prescott leaves behind for a top offense in the NFL with all these weapons? Can you still get the ball out to Cooper and Lamb and maybe Michael Gallup from a fantasy standpoint? I mean, there's going to be all eyes on Andy Dalton for a lot of reasons starting this week. The good news for Dalton is that Chandler Jones is out for the rest of the year. So Arizona is going to be questionable at best as far as what kind of pass rush they're going to be able to put out there on Andy Dalton. I talked about this a little bit after the Prescott injury happened on the waiver wire report uh, episode from last week uh, from Tuesday. I expect Andy Dalton to be a top 10 quarterback for fantasy football purposes the rest of the way. He's a guy who's finished in the top five before he's a guy who's been a competent quarterback throughout most of his career. And he's never had as many offensive weapons as he has right now. He got the ball to AJ green all the time, Tyler Boyd, even at the end. So being that he's a competent quarterback, being the offensive weapons that they have, and the uh, maybe the most important factor of them all is the defense being so pathetic. I heard time and time again that, well, Ezekiel Elliott is going to get leaned on more. How much more can Ezekiel Elliott really get leaned on? It's not like his touches have been lacking this year. He's still been getting around that 20 carry mark, still been getting around five to seven receptions a game. So how many more touches are we talking about Ezekiel Elliott? Will he maybe, will his floor, as far as carries go, be set at 20 now moving forward? Maybe. But again, because that defense is so terrible, there's still going to be situations where they need to be in shootouts. So having said that, Andy Dalton's still looking at a situation where he's going to be throwing the ball at least 40 times a game. You give me C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Zico Elliott, Dalton Schultz, 40 pass attempts a game, I give you a top 10 quarterback. So I expect Andy Dalton to be good. Obviously, I'm playing him this week. He was my t- one of my waiver wire pickups of the week that I talked about. I thought everybody should go after and get him, especially if you were somebody who's streaming at quarterback especially, obviously, if you were a Dak Prescott owner. We have a QB7 this week. Zeke, you know, obviously, RB2. We have him just one spot behind Derrick Henry, who's an RB1 on the week. Will he get more carries? Yeah, maybe. But I don't know how, how much volume overall, more, he's really looking at. And remember, this offensive line, the Dallas Cowboys, is still really banged up. And that's kind of been the main issue there, too. Mari Cooper, I'm not, just Andy Dalton coming in doesn't affect Mari Cooper. There seems to have been this narrative out there this past week that, you know, legitimately asking the question of should you sell on Amari Cooper or really any of these Cowboy wide receivers now that Annie Dalton's coming in. I don't know when Annie Dalton became a scrub. People wanted him out of Cincinnati because, yes, he wasn't going to be the future for that franchise. He's not going to be, his, he was never going to be what Joe Burrow can actually give them. And they're rebuilding for the future anyway. I get that part. But he's always been a competent quarterback throughout his career. So I don't know why all of a sudden you got to bail on Amari Cooper. You got to bail on C.D. Lamb. You've got to bail on Michael Gallup for other reasons because he's been kind of getting the odd man out here. And I expect that to continue. But Amari Cooper is still going to get a lot of volume. Amari Cooper is still going to be featured. We have him as wide receiver eight coming into the week. Why wouldn't he finish in the top 10? A game that could be a shootout. Mari Cooper, who has been getting all the mismatches because they don't leave him on the perimeter all the time. They move him in and out with CD Lamb. His offense has clearly been built around featuring the guy they paid $20 million to. I keep trying to bring that up because people keep talking about, oh, he's inconsistent. He's had one bad game. That's it. One bad game. All of a sudden, it's back to Amari Cooper being inconsistent time. Give me a break. That's a reputation that needs to die. Plain and simple. Because it's not true. When he's healthy and on the field for the Dallas Cowboys. And I stress while he's healthy on the field. Because last year, he was a decoy for a lot of weeks. He's been consistently involved. He's put up consistent fantasy points. I know I'm the only one saying this, but I don't care. The narrative on Amari Cooper being hit or miss every single week is simply not true, especially not in this offense with him now being the featured wide receiver. It's not true anymore. Was it true in the Raiders? Yeah. Has it been true with the Cowboys because of injury reasons? Sure. But health, when he's out there and not just being a decoy, he's pretty consistent. And other than one game this year, he's been pretty consistent this year so far, too. That's not going to change. He's still going to be a featured guy. C.D. Lamb, you know, he's the one that I question. Michael Gallup's the one that I question. What's their value now that Andy Dalton's not is going to be the quarterback moving forward? C.D. Lamb falls into a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory. He's still going to be the guy who gets to play the slot more. He's still going to get more of the mismatches. Schematically, even though now it's Andy Dalton, schematically, why would anything change for the Dallas Cowboys offense? They haven't been losing games because of the offense, they haven't been losing games because of their, their scheme. So, schematically speaking, CD Lamb should still be in his same role, which means he is still going to be targeted more consistently. Michael Gallup. It's not to say that Michael Gallup is not going to have a big week at all again this rest of the year. It's not to say that he's not going to be involved in the offense. But C.D. Lamb is still going to have the better mismatches more times than not on a week-to-week basis. He just is. He's not getting left out in the perimeter the way Michael Gallup is. He's getting moved around too. So he's going to stay in that. He'll take a little bit of a tick down because it is Dalton and not Dak Prescott, and there are going to be some chemistry issues, I think, that come along with that for at least the first couple of weeks. But I still feel very confident playing CeeDee Lamb as a low-end wide receiver, two, high, and a wide receiver, three. The guy that I'm probably not trying to play is Michael Gallup. The guy who's probably going to be matched up on Patrick Peterson or Byron Murphy, the majority of the game, is going to be Michael Gallup. And being that this is the first week that Amy Dalton's going to be taking over and it's Monday Night Football and there's going to be a lot of eyes on him in this game, I do think there's a chance he plays it a little bit more conservative, which means he's not going to be looking for Gallup, who's running nothing but nine routes on the outside. He's going to be looking for Amari Cooper, who's running the short and intermediate underneath. He's going to be looking for C.D. Lamb stretching it down the middle of the field, stretching down the seam. That's what he's going to look for if he does play it a little bit more conservatively, which I could see. Dalton Schultz, that's the one that I'm not touching it this week. I have to see how he's going to be involved. Because the one thing I'll say about Andy Dalton is that throughout his career in Cincinnati, and it might not have been all him, but the tight end for the Bengals, while Andy Dalton was a starting quarterback, was rarely ever really a thing for fantasy football purposes. Really ever anything you wanted to actually go after. I mean, they had the stretch there with Tyler Eifert when he was healthy because he would throw it to him in the red zone. But that's about it as far as tight ends go and their fantasy worth with Andy Dalton. I have to see how this is going to break down. Now, again, it can go to the conservative point that I was making where if he says it more conservative, targeting a big tight end like Dalton Schultz over the middle of the field might fall into that category. But when you're talking about having a plethora of streaming tight ends options that you're probably looking at anyway, I think there's other guys you want to go with. You kind of want to see how this thing plays out when it comes to Dalton Schultz. So now we talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Not a lot to go over here. Kyler Murray, number two quarterback on the week. Kenyon Drake, you still have to continue to play him as an RB two. I know it's been very frustrating, but you have to. He's still been getting the volume, as far as the carries go. Is it really annoying that Chase Evans has been the guy who's been involved in the passing game the past two weeks, not Kenyon Drake? Yeah, one hundred percent. Does it make any sense? No, it doesn't. If Kenyon Drake's actually healthy, and I know there's this big conspiracy theory that because of the walking boot situation, that maybe he's not because he hasn't looked as explosive. He hasn't been involved in the passing game as much. If he's out there, though, he should be playing. If he's out there, he should be healthy or considered healthy enough to actually catch the football. He's still getting 18 to 20 carries almost every single week. Well, so obviously he can't be that hindered if they're comfortable giving him that volume at least on the ground. Why, from a logical standpoint, you know, they don't get him involved in the pass game, they don't target him coming out of the pass. I I that I couldn't tell you. There's a lot of things that Cliff Kingsbury does that makes me scratch my head. A lot of things. Will they right the ship? I think it's possible. I think there was, there did seem to be some kind of at least concession from Kingsbury about kind of realizing that they're going to have to change some of the things that they have been doing on the offensive side of the ball, because even though they put up 30 against the jets one, it was the jets Two, their offense still didn't look very sharp and hasn't outside of week one against San Francisco 49ers. I think he started to kind of realize that. So there would seem to be some acknowledgement on his part that they might need to change some things moving forward. We'll see if that takes place in this game or not. But as long as Kenny Drake still continues to get the volume that he has been, you have to play him as an RB two, and try not to worry about it too much. Again, this is a game that could be a shootout. He should have some opportunities to score. Finally got in the red zone last week. Maybe that'll be a starting point for him moving forward. Chase Edmonds is still somebody that you have to own if you're a Kenny Drake owner. Or if you're not and he's out there on the waiver wire and you have a spot on your bench that you can stash a guy, he's got to be one of your top end stashes. Because he has looked good when he's out there on the field so far. And if the trend from the past two weeks continues. Well, we could see Chase Edmonds wind up being the passing down specialist, quite possibly. So he needs to be rostered everywhere, no matter whether you're Drake owner or not. To we'll see how this thing, whole thing plays out moving forward. DeAndre Hopkins, he's the number one wide receiver on the week. Obviously, a great matchup, game script, everything. Target share, you know, whatever. We don't want to talk about that too much. What I do want to talk about is Christian Kirk. He's been getting targeted more and more over the past couple of weeks. Larry Fitzgerald's done. They need like it's kind of I kind of feel like I'm talking about the Minnesota Vikings here. They need a second wide receiver to emerge that they can trust. That's what they they need that. The only person that I think could possibly fill that role would be Christian Kirk. And if he gets five to seven targets in this game against the Dallas Cowboys, he'll have a chance to have some upside. He'll have a chance for a big play. He had a decent game last week. There's a low floor that comes with him, but we have met wide receiver 34 on the week, and that kind of reflects the low floor point. But if you're looking around for guys that you want to take shots on this week, because you need to find somebody in your flex, and you need to find somebody's your wide receiver three with injuries and buys. I think Christian Kirk has some sneaky sleeper value heading into week six, given the circumstances and given his recent target share that he's had. So Christian Kirk is somebody I think you can actually go out and target as a sleeper for week six. That is going to wrap it up for our analysis for all of the week six matchups. What we're going to do is take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to close out the show with a mailbag segment for you guys. So please stay tuned right after this.
3: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Breaking news.
4: Yeah, we're coming right out of the break with breaking news. Melvin Gordon not at practice today. So we talked about him earlier. We weren't sure if he was going to play on Sunday or not, that if he did not, the punishment would come from the Denver Bronco organization, not the NFL. We have no word on whether or not that is actually the case right now, but we do know Melvin Gordon not practicing on a Friday after returning to practice yesterday is not a good sign. So we would definitely lean towards Philip Lindsay being the guy with probably Royce Freeman working himself in as well heading into uh, this week, most likely. So that's how we're going to treat it. We'll be updating the rankings as such on bellyupfantasysports.com all throughout the weekend. I will say this because I know a lot of people are going to be like, all right, well, no brainer. I play Philip Lindsay as an RB2 of Melvin Gordon doesn't play. I think what you have to take consideration, though, if you've been desperate at running back trying to find a fill-in for anything or at least just trying to have a contingency plan because you might have some of the Patriots or you know running backs or something like that, you could look at Royce Freeman, possibly. Keep in mind this game outside of Melvin Gordon has the other question mark of where are the Patriots at as far as their positive tests that they had today that they had to shut down the facility for. So we're gonna be watching that all throughout the weekend too. So don't go crazy trying to pick up Royce Freeman, because there's a possibility that this game winds up getting pushed or postponed again. We don't know yet. We don't we don't know anything right now. We just know that they had a couple positive tests. So we're gonna have to see how this plays out. But if assuming that they have their game on Sunday, If you're looking for a desperate flex play, uh, Royce Freeman might get worked in quite a bit, especially in the passing game. We know that he tends to be more the pass catching back because of his skill set of being able to pass protect, being superior to Philip Lindsay. But Philip Lindsay would definitely be an RB2 uh, if Melvin Gordon does not play, which looks like it might be the case now with him not practicing today. So we came out of the break with that. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and I'm your host, Dan Mater on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you also by Belly Up Sports. And we have the mailbag segment for you guys. I actually picked up a couple extra questions, knowing that we have a little extra time at the end today. And I want to let you, let you know that this mailbag segment is brought to you by Manscaped. If you want the best performance for your nether regions, Manscaped is the place for you they have all the ball care you could ever need like high quality trimmers for unwanted hair or ball toner that will leave you smelling fresh all day long just go to manscape.com and use the promo code belly up fantasy for 20 percent off of your purchase your balls will thank you so our first question we have on the mailbag segment for today comes from creighton half point ppr league ceh and julio this is a trade question ceh and julio for deandre hopkins and the Bucks backfield, so both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. So again, like I, like we talked about, a lot of people with the Le'Veon Bell News want to ask, should they be selling high on a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? This is an interesting one because you're also packaging in Julio possibly getting DeAndre Hopkins back in return. So the question you have to ask yourself is, the value of a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire more significant compared to having both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette than the significant difference right now between a DeAndre Hopkins and a Julio Jones, who we don't know is going to be back and healthy. We don't know when that's going to happen. It looks like it's not going to be this week. I get It kind of depends on your record here. If you need to win now, and you've had Julio, and you've had to struggle with not being able to have your wide receiver one, I pull the trigger on this deal because now knowing the value that Clyde Edwards-Hillard sort of hits, right because he's not really... You can't consider him to be a low-end RB1 now at Le'Veon Bell coming in. Like we talked about, he's more of a RB2, maybe maybe even more of a high-end RB3 if it actually winds up being an even timeshare, which I think it has possibly to do so. I don't want to have the Bucks' backfield necessarily, because I think when they're both active and healthy, you're not going to be left feeling like you can play either one. But the upgrade you get with Hopkins... From Hopkins to Julio, given Julio's hamstring situation and that might linger on almost all year long, especially if they don't let him get right. If you need to win now, having Hopkins down the road over Julio and having at least a serviceable backfield that maybe clarifies itself down the season between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette would be more worth it to me than having Clyde edwards hilaire who you can play every single week, and you know having Julio once he's back healthy, you could play every single week right now. So yeah, I would actually take this deal, Creighton especially given the the news of Le'Veon Bell, it lessens the significant difference between Edwards-Hilaire and the Tampa Bay Bucks backfield. Next question we'll talk about is Freddie. He asked me, Zeke for Hopkins and Connor. So I think this one matters. It depends on what your wide receiver situation is. Because DeAndre Hopkins, with his target share that he's seen, he's going to be a wide receiver one uh, throughout the season. He's going to be in the top five probably by the end of the year minimum. James Conner has been pretty good. He's no Zeke. He's not anywhere close to that. And we do know that he has quite the injury history. So I have two questions for you in this case, Freddie, of how I would be examining this trade. One is, can I get my hands on Benny Snell if I actually do this deal so I can at least handcuff myself and know that I'll have the main ball carrier for the Steelers no matter what happens? And what is my situation at the wide receiver position? What's your record? If you're sitting there two and three and you're dying for a wide receiver one, I think I'd actually pull the trigger on this deal because Connor has been the guy. He is a competent RB two right now for fantasy football purposes and getting the upgrade with Deandre Hopkins in this deal is what is kind of the icing on the cake for me, giving you that wide receiver one that you may not have if you're looking for what do you do with Zeke and Deandre? So I would actually do this deal. Freddie, uh depending on what situation you're in. Now, if I here's what I say: what I wouldn't do it. If Benny Snell's not available, and you're three and two, four and one, I would probably not do this deal. It, again, you have to see what your wide receiver position is. I don't know; he didn't tell me. But if I'm in that situation where I'm doing well and I've had Zeke to this point, I maybe stand pat anyway. So kind of, it kind of depends on your situation. But if you're two and three, I would do this deal, especially if you can get Benny Snell and protect yourself down the road. Nate PPR, he asked me, who do I start? Robbie Anderson or Marquise Brown? Well, unfortunately, Darius Slay looks like he's going to play. And Robbie Anderson already has a much higher floor to begin with because he's looking at double-digit targets every single week. So, Nate, we would definitely be playing Robbie Anderson over Marquise Brown for this week, especially when talking about full-point PPR leagues. Joy, she asked me, Michael Gallup or T. Higgins, rest of season? So this is really interesting, right? Because we talked about we're going to be waiting to see any Dalton. How is that going to play out with the rapport, the chemistry of him and all of the other wide receivers? You know, Michael Gallup has been getting left out for the most part. He's hit the point now where he's more of a boomer bust wide receiver four than he is a wide receiver three with upside anymore. Just because his floor has been so low with the target share, but now he has a new quarterback in. So how is that going to play out? I think T Higgins is better rest of the season. I believe the Cincinnati Bengals, whether it's due to the hamstring injury that A.J. Green is having to face with now, I believe one way or another, they are going to allow T. Higgins to be the main perimeter wide receiver. I think he's going to play ahead of A.J. Green for the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to trade A.J. Green at some point this year. And while T. Higgins has been super explosive, and while the Cincinnati Bengals offense in general when they play tough defenses are going to be scary to trust anybody from a fantasy perspective, the volume, the target share that he's seeing is much more significant, has a much higher floor on a week-to-week basis than a Michael Gallup does. And because he's a bigger-bodied guy, we've already seen this, he's getting involved in the red zone. So I like T. Higgins over Michael Gallup rest of the season there, Joy. Last question that we're going to talk about before we close out the show, OBJ and Henderson for Evans. So Q comes in and asks us about a trade Should he trade OBJ and Henderson for Mike Evans? Now, because Chris Godwin is back, because Mike Evans has been so banged up this season, this idea that Mike Evans will continue to score touchdowns at the rate that he is with the few touches that he has seen is not going to be able to sustain. Unless he starts getting 8 to 10 targets with Chris Godwin in the lineup every single week. That we, we haven't seen it too much with Tom Brady yet. So we don't have enough of, we don't have enough of a, a, a sample size that to know confidently what's going on, but because Mike Evans has been so banged up. And even though I don't love having a piece of the backfield from the Rams, I don't think OBJ and Henderson, I don't think the best that you, I don't think the best value that you can get for that trade is Mike Evans. I think there's a lot of risk right now in Mike Evans, given his health and the status of Chris Godwin coming back and what that might mean for his target share. There's a lot of risk right now. I think I, would look, I think I would look around and try to shop OBJ and Henderson the way that you're doing right now, Q. But I think I'm looking for something more than Mike Evans, something more secure than a Mike Evans that you can maybe buy low on on some of these guys out there. That's going to wrap it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. That was our week late week six window preview matchup of games. So we previewed all of week six between today's show and yesterday's show. Remember, go back and listen on your favorite streaming app. Always download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on IOS. You can follow us throughout the weekend. We'll keep you up to date on all the player news notifications at BellyUp MDFF show on Twitter. And of course Sunday morning we'll be available to you guys to help you out with any of your start sick questions that you might have on social media as well. We will not be back until Tuesday because I'm going away for this weekend. So we will not be back until Tuesday with a full week six recap and waiver wire report for you guys. Hopefully we won't have any technical issues like we did last week. Everyone take care, stay safe, have a fun weekend and win your week six matchups. I'm Dan Mater, and I will see you guys again next week.